Hey, everyone. Kara here from The Kara Golden Show. Look, I've started and scaled companies, but when I first started podcasting, figuring out the workflow for this business was a real challenge. There were so many moving parts that I needed to learn from scheduling and recording to editing and promoting each episode. But once I streamlined the process, things got easier. I was able to focus more on bringing in amazing guests and delivering great content, which was such a relief. Thinking about this experience reminded me of the challenges many face managing their business every day. Whether you are the CEO or working supporting one, you need the right tools to streamline processes, especially when it comes to shipping and handling orders. That's where ShipStation comes in. ShipStation makes it easy to manage your shipments from all your sales channels. ShipStation automates tasks, prints shipping labels in bulk, and keeps your customers informed, freeing up your time to focus on growing your business. If you're looking for a way to simplify shipping and make your business more efficient, ShipStation is the solution. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time too. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me and my team to manage orders from anywhere, print shipping labels from just a click. Yes, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable with discounts up to 89% off carrier rates. And who wouldn't want that? Plus, an easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses as well? ShipStation just makes it easier so your business can grow. And yes, even when you're on your summer vacation, ShipStation is it. Work less and ship more with ShipStation, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA, K-A-R-A, to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited to have my next guest here. We have David Israel, who is the founder of Good Planet Foods. And if you are not familiar with Good Planet Foods, we're going to hear all about it uh, from him directly. But he's going to share a lot about the latest uh, premium plant-based cheese space uh, company that he has 
created. And David is actually a serial entrepreneur. I'm going to let him talk more about his other company that you are probably familiar with that he sold a few years ago. But David developed Good Planet Foods after recognizing that many people were choosing to move away from a diet with heavy emphasis on meat and dairy. And uh, they were still looking for great taste and enjoyment from what they were consuming. So their initial offering is a plant-based cheese products in multiple innovative formats with more categories to come very, very soon. Uh, They're great vegan products that aren't too complicated with a great environmental footprint that we can all feel great about. And I can't wait to hear more about David's journey, but also just the products and the company and some of the stuff that he's seen along the way as an entrepreneur. So without further ado, welcome, David. Oh, thank you, Kara. It's really awesome to be here. I'm honored to be on your show. So thank you so much. Thank you. Very, very excited. So let's start by hearing about Good Planet Foods. What is it? How would you describe it to people? Yeah. uh, Well, I mean, from day one, our goal was to, to create a product, one, a brand that connected with the consumer that was coming. And those were the consumers that cared about the environment and cared about their health. Uh, we wanted to create a product in the dairy-free category, plant-based cheese, whatever, vegan cheese, whatever you want to call it, uh, that would really give the experience of real cheese. And the biggest complaint that I had heard when I launched this product was really first what was out there didn't melt, uh, didn't taste good, and had a terrible ingredient deck. Uh, so... You know, as an entrepreneur, when I tried the products that were out there, it was pretty easy to say, wow, this, that, this will be easy. It's, it wasn't very good, right? So, yeah, we created something that really, uh, again, would resonate with the consumer, would give them an experience, very close experience to real cheese. Uh, and that's what it was all about. So you're a serial entrepreneur. Did you ever think you would be known as a serial entrepreneur? I think by my third or fourth company, I was starting to figure it out. <laughs> uh, that that's, you know, it's funny cause, and I don't want to get off track here, but I, when I, I was at a trade show, I think a few years ago and uh, I, someone asked me a question, I think it was a, either, it was an investment firm of some sort. How'd you come up with this? How'd you get there? And they said, well, you're brilliant. I said, hmm, if I was brilliant, I probably wouldn't be doing this right now because I just, I'm not one of those people that if I see a hurdle, I think, well, okay, can I get over where brilliant people are like, they come up with, they do, they think so much ahead of time, they figure out why they can't do it. So mm-hmm. I guess ignorance is bliss, right? I, I guess I think really simply, if I think, if I know I can't do something, I won't. But if I see there's a way I might get there, kind of just shift into gear and go. And you know what? I don't think about the problems ahead of time. I kind of just nail them, deal with them as they pop up because you're always going to have problems no matter how much you think about it. Something's still going to hit you. So your last company was Pop Gourmet. Do you want to chat a little bit about that? What was that product uh, for those who don't know and and uh, what ultimately happened? Yeah. Well, we started initially with a popcorn uh, that was very indulgent, uh, had a big story behind it. But for me, so I was very passionate. And I would say, if, any, if you're going to do anything, you need to be passionate about it. It's got to be something that really drives you. Uh, so I was really driven to be one, I wanted to be successful and two, uh, I wanted to create a great product. And I launched an indulgent product in December, 2011. 
and got it into the stores. And then when I looked at the at the shelf, I was like, okay, this is really a great product. It is higher, I mean, it is much higher quality. It's very unique. But end of the day, it's still kind of similar to what's on the shelf. I mean, you had because it was it was basically a caramel based product. I just really took it to a new level, premium level with, like I said, very indulgent. But I was like, yeah, there's caramel, cinnamon caramel. There's this guy with that caramel. Uh, what can I do differently? And I actually sat down with my wife and I was like, I have to do something, you know, more unique to make this something that stands out. And she said, you should do chocolate salted caramel and white truffle. I was like, okay. So I went back to our little, I mean, we had a very, it was like a kitchen in a space. Uh, and I did this really deli- amazing white truffle popcorn and this incredible chocolate salted caramel. Uh, so got that on the shelves. And then in January of 2012, I was, I didn't know what really would know what I was doing. I wasn't in food. So I asked someone for some help uh, and she was an executive at Starbucks and she's like, Hey, you know, this is amazing products you have here. She goes, Oprah loves white truffle. I said, Hmm. really? She goes, yeah. I said, wow. So I went back and I decided to just send some white truffle. I sent all my product, but a bunch of white truffle to O Magazine. And two weeks after I sent it, I got a phone call literally on a Friday afternoon. Hi, this is uh, Megan from O Magazine. We'd like to order five cases of your white truffle popcorn. I was like, oh my God. Hey everyone, Kara here from the Kara Golden Show. Look, I've started and scaled companies, but when I first started podcasting, figuring out the workflow for this business was a real challenge. There were so many moving parts that I needed to learn from scheduling and recording to editing and promoting each episode. But once I streamlined the process, things got easier. I was able to focus more on bringing in amazing guests and delivering great content, which was such a relief. Thinking about this experience reminded me of the challenges many face managing their business every day. Whether you are the CEO or working supporting one, you need the right tools to streamline processes, especially when it comes to shipping and handling orders. That's where ShipStation comes in. ShipStation makes it easy to manage your shipments from all your sales channels. ShipStation automates tasks, prints shipping labels in bulk, and keeps your customers informed, freeing up your time to focus on growing your business. If you're looking for a way to simplify shipping and make your business more efficient, ShipStation is the solution. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time too. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me and my team to manage orders from anywhere, print shipping labels from just a click. Yes, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable with discounts up to 89% off carrier rates. And who wouldn't want that? Plus, an easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses as well? ShipStation just makes it easier so your business can grow. And yes, even when you're on your summer vacation, ShipStation is it. Work less and ship more with ShipStation, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. 
Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA, K-A-R-A, to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. What? Uh, they're like, she goes, yeah, we love it. Oprah's coming here uh, and she wants it for our meeting we're having. Uh, you need to ship it today for tom- for a Saturday delivery. I'm like, well, uh, I'm like, right okay. Away. She, goes, she goes, we'll give you our FedEx number. So I shipped, I made it, shipped it. Uh, and then the following month, she put us in the magazine as one of her favorite things and kind of things just went haywire, right? So um, didn't have to do a whole lot of selling after that. I was at, It was amazing all the phone calls I got from buyers uh, that wanted to bring our product in just from reading it in the magazine. So uh, I, I think we were literally between, within that first year, we were probably in seven or 8,000 doors. Um and I had to scale up like no tomorrow. So went wow. from, you know, two or three people to 13. And then eventually over the next three or four years, we we're up to 160 people. And we were at, I mean, I had to, I built our fifth facility, our fourth facility, I should say. So, 
Yeah. Amazing. It, it, and I shifted to potato chips. I mean, we just expanded across the board. Uh, as I got more innovative, I started partnering with some great brands like White Funk Sriracha, uh, became their first licensed product. And we did popcorn and potato chips with uh, their sriracha. I dried their sriracha and put it on our popcorn and potato chips. I worked with Tahine, which is another great brand. Mm -hmm. I worked with Almond Roca. So I started doing a lot of partnerships where we could get these brand recognition. And again, connect with consumers, take it to a different level. And it just went haywire. We were, I think, in 35 countries uh, by 2016. And I had licensed the second largest candy company in Japan to build a facility and uh, have the license, the brand to them in Japan. And I partnered with a major food company in Russia, which is bizarre, that also uh, built a facility and, and still selling our products across, well, hopefully, I don't know what it is right now, but they were doing really well up until the, the, the Ukrainian war. So I think it was pretty amazing to have this experience and just go from zero, you know, to a hundred in such a short period of time and have to learn all this about an industry. That's wild. And how many years were you then before you, also, so you sold the company? 2016 is sold the majority, yep. You know, I don't know that I would have been as successful. I mean, people, you know, it's great to understand me from an industry, but I think because I didn't really know how everybody kind of had the status quo, I was doing all these unique things and opening doors and creating relationships that people just didn't think of or even think was possible before. So mm -hmm. it was really, uh, it was a, it was a blast. I mean, I had just the time of my life and learned a ton and made a lot of great friendships, relationships and partnerships. So, well, it seems like even as you're talking about it, I mean, these partnerships like, you know, that you formed, that you created unique items, uh, not a lot of people are doing that, right? Even today. I mean, you built an incredible brand that was unique that the consumers saw as being different, but you were, were you can just tell you personally were having fun doing those partnerships. Yeah. Like what else can you do uh, mentality, which is uh, all that that's what entrepreneurship is about. Yeah, it was, look, I mean, you want to create, you want to be innovative, right? We were all about innovation and quality. Uh, we wanted to stand out on the shelf. Um, you know, the snack category, it is easier to launch, but it's also very challenging, uh, because you know, who owns the shelves in, in those categories, mm -hmm. right? They, they literally, their employees come in and stock those shelves. Yeah. So, you know, it would be funny. We would have these great sets on the snacking shelf and we would go in one day and we would see that we're kind of pushed off to the side, you know, that the other guy might have encroached a little more and we're getting hidden. So, you know, they're, they're, I think, you know, people are afraid of change and competition. And, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, there's not going to be just one brand in anything, no matter what. And people love choices. And I don't want to be successful at my competition's demise. I mean, I think we all, have, you know, every, there's plenty of room for everybody. And if I guess, Boy, if you don't execute well or you don't put out a quality product, then shame on you. But otherwise, I mean, I'm not trying. I, I just want to have a great time. And sure, I want to be the best and I want to win. But uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to try to stomp on anybody else. So, yeah, we had a great time. I and mean, like I said, it. I learned a lot. I mean, I learned a ton from uh, not being in a, in a category snack or food actually at all. Um, I think my perspective about, you know, it was all about relationship and mm -hmm. communication at, 
and transparency. I want to be a great partner. Uh, and that, that helped us a lot. Um, I, I think that building that, that trust factor, uh, was big. Um, they were, were getting that from the, the big players at the end of the day, um, other than they knew they would show up and put their stuff on the shelf. But I was there to support and build together. And like I said, I wasn't trying to stop on my competition. I would help my competition. But, you know, I want yeah. everybody, I like to see people be successful. I mean, it, like I said, it doesn't mean I don't want to win, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to, if we're racing, I'm not going to try to flatten your tire. That's, I, I just will try to do better. I love it. No, that's such a great mentality to to have for sure. So what was the, who did you ultimately sell it to, by the way? It was a private equity, a family private fund out of New York. I wouldn't celebrate that relationship. It started, it sounded like it was going to be a great potential partnership, but as soon as they had bought the majority, they, I was supposed to hang around for a while. They started focusing on margin and degrading the product um, to increase that margin. And I told them that's not who I am. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's not how I got to where we are. I said, you know, margins will continue to increase as we, as we build. Um, but if it's something you want overnight and you want to degrade the product, uh, that's not, I'm not going to be a part of that. Yeah. And they said, well, that's what we're going to do. And I said, okay, well then I'm going to depart early and go do my own thing. I mean, I got plenty of ideas. So that's Perfect. what I did, you know, and Unfortunately, it's it's sad that, but when I left, I mean, we had, gosh, I can't imagine, probably 60 SKUs or more, and now they have one. Hmm. Wow. Very, yeah. very interesting. Well, yeah. and now you've gone on to do a totally different category. And wow, also, sure. I loved that part of your ethos is really putting a huge emphasis on ESG. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, you know, we're all about, it was the passion that drove me in this category was really about our green, the greenhouse gas effects, the climate and creating something healthier for the consumer. Uh, but also I learned that my snack company, that the consumer, they buy the branding and the packaging first. That's mm -hmm. what they connect with. All right. You have that six seconds or whatever on the shelf that you kind of got to connect. Uh, and what I read about the consumer that was coming is that they were all about the planet uh, and the climate and something that was more quality for themselves. So that's how I kind of built it. And like I said, it was people, when I looked at the category, when I wanted to do something that in the better for you category, um, it was my sister-in-law who suggested vegan cheese. And I was like, you know, why, why would I do that? I'm not vegan. Uh, mm -hmm. and I don't know anything about cheese. And she's, she's like, look, we don't, there's the community is growing the products on the shelf. They just, they don't function well. And their ingredient deck is, is really, you know, it's not clean. It's, it's not healthy. And, um, again, being a, an entrepreneur, when I dove into it and I bought the products that were the most readily available, the, the leading brands, they did function well. I mean, they really, they did not melt. They did not taste good. And the ingredient deck was a joke at the end of the day. And I just, thought to myself, this will be simple. So yeah. I started investigating the cheese category uh, and trying to figure out how I could create something that would replicate real cheese, you know, better. Uh, and I stumbled across analog cheese, which is, we're all buying it. It's Kraft Singles and a lot of other products where they mm -hmm. use dairy powders and oils to make real cheese. And I thought, okay, 
why can I replicate that with plant-based, you know, powders and oils, right? So I, I had reached out to, I don't know, probably 12 or 13 cheese companies in Wisconsin and Illinois that, and a couple other places that, that made analog cheese. That was their specialty. Uh, and they all said no. Uh, I would say 90% no because, were no's because they didn't want to be involved in this category. You know, they didn't like it. And the others were, it's, you're too small for us to take you on right now. So hmm. uh, I ended up Googling and finding a company uh, in Greece, uh, on the island of Crete, that specialized in this type of product, uh, in analog cheese. And they happened to make something they called the vegan loaf for the Greek Orthodox holiday in Ramadan. Hmm. Uh, and they had a picture of it on their website. And they were all private label. They didn't sell anything under their own brand. So I ordered their product. It melted really well. It stretched really well. The greeting deck was very clean. Um, very blasé as a taste, kind of like a the bland American, American cheese. And I partnered with them to, to launch the first product. So I had to help them understand. We built this. I mean, we took it to a whole new level with the, all the, the U.S. types of products that fit in the U.S. And um, yeah, I got very fortunate. I, it was really about, again, for me, the passion you had to suck me in was I really didn't understand. When I saw that cow flatulence had a mm -hmm. higher impact on our ozone layer than fossil fuels, that just lit my fire. And the, the more that I learned, but also my goal, uh, again, wasn't to demonize the dairy industry. I went in with the approach that I, I wanted to create balance. And for you want to make a choice here or there, or completely, we're here for you. But I wasn't, mm -hmm. wasn't one of those companies going, uh, dairy farmers are evil, don't eat dairy, it's killing our... It was like, hey, look... You can do better for yourself. You can do better for the planet. But, you know, I'm not trying to convert you to a, becoming a vegan. I'm certainly offering you these products if you are vegan or choose to do that. But we weren't, uh, we didn't take the philosophy that we had to, again, clobber a, an industry that's been around for a while and that I enjoy. But this whole thing changed me from, I, I became about 85% plant-based uh, because of my journey. Um I still like to enjoy now and then some things that uh, maybe I shouldn't, but it's, you know, all about balance. I love it. No, it's great. So how many, how many uh, are in kind of your, your category right now? I mean, I, I always think when, when people have said our, our product hint, for example, I, they, I started an entirely new category called unsweetened flavored water 17 yeah. years ago. And people would say, oh, you know, who's your competition? Everyone on the shelf, right? And you'd fight against, I'm sure you're the same thing, that they have plenty of space for regular cheese. You've got a tiny little section. You've got to explain right. it uh, to buyers, et cetera. But how many are kind of doing something similar, not as good as your product, but yeah. Uh, well, I think you know throughout when we launched in uh, in 2018, mid May of 2018, there were maybe five, uh, and uh, I shouldn't. I, let me take that back. Let's call it nine in the in the overall category. But when you got down to the allergen free, there was probably four. You know, mm -hmm. there was a lot of nut based cheeses and stuff like that. Um, soy based. We were, we're coconut oil based. We were, com we were completely allergen free and, uh, had a very clean deck. So there was really four 
uh, I would say, uh, that it, one other great competitor that did a great job, had a great product that I was impressed with, and then a couple others that were old time and, and knew they had to change their ingredient deck a little more cleaner to like what we offered. So, but uh, by the time we got into 2021 uh, or late 2020 and early 2021, and now 2022, I would say there's probably in my category uh, with a similar formulization uh, or ingredient deck, probably 2023. Wow. Uh, yeah. And now we've lost, I would say, maybe 25 to 30% of those brands have hmm. uh, folded. Um, so that's, you know, that's why it, it's an evolution, right? I mean, we were all on offering the right products uh, and hopefully providing something quality to the consumer. But some were, some just wanted to have a plant-based product and be in the category. Um, we really built a product that we felt we were proud of and we knew would melt and give someone the great experience like cheese. Uh, if you put us on a grilled cheese sandwich or on a pizza or our cream cheeses, literally, I mean, it's, it's it, you, we had a craft person say, this is Philadelphia cream cheese. So, yeah. you know, we really strived to make, to always innovate and improve from my first mozzarella in 2018 to today. We've, we haven't changed the ingredients so much, but we've eat the deck. I mean, the, but we found higher quality ingredients. We found better processes. We found a better starch that would help it melt or stretch better. Um, we learned that mozzarella shreds should melt differently than cheddar shreds because mozzarella 90% of the time is going on a pizza and we, we, they'd want it to brown. So we continually innovated and improved our products where a lot of them just were content with what they put out there and just wanted a plant-based product. We didn't. We wanted to continually provide the consumer with the best product possible. Interesting. You mentioned uh, with Pop Gourmet, for example, a lot of it was obviously taste, but also the packaging kind of pulled things off the shelf. Do you find that it's different in this category? No. Uh, no. We get a, Interesting. You know, we get a lot that people resonate to our bright packaging, uh, to the brand uh, that makes sense to them. You know, like I said, a lot of the a lot of the consumers that were coming down the pipeline, uh, they were flexitarians, right? They they mm -hmm. they they wanted to do something. Like I said, they really wanted to make an impact if they for balance on the on the climate and for health reasons, right? Uh, so Good Planet, you know, kind of checked that the brand checked that box for them. Uh, the packaging stood out on the shelf, uh, and then the products they delivered. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, you know. There were the consumers were also trying that were ready to, like I said, to lean in. They would try what was in their store, and if they didn't like that plant based product, uh, they weren't trying another brand. They were going right. This right. This uh, this stuff sucks, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it did corrupt the category, and with the car category has suffered and struggled. Uh, but I've always looked at it where we where we were in store we were growing uh we were getting great reviews we're developing amazing new products um we got outside of we launched with shreds and slices we got into wedges like laughing cow uh we got into these smoked wheels that were naturally smoked like uh like um like boar's head uh mm -hmm. smoked gouda wheels we went through the same exact process um so 
you know, we didn't, we were trying to cut corners. We were really trying to deliver a premium product because we wanted the consumer when they tried it, we want them to love it. And now, like I said, a lot of these companies have kind of fallen to the wayside or are shrinking. Um, and for, as an entrepreneur, you have to look at that as an, as an opportunity, not as devastation, right? So I look at it as an opportunity that now we can hopefully get on that shelf and attract the consumer and give them a great experience uh, and, and continue to grow. And that's what it's all about. So this product, there's a lot more education around it because, as, as you said, if they have one bad experience, yep. I, I would imagine like if you have popcorn uh, and it's not good, maybe you'll be willing to try another one, but it's probably tougher. Like, how do you get the word out about your product and get people to come and, and try yours and get and convert? Yeah. Well, I mean... Fortunately, I mean, we do a lot with influencers, right? So, I mean, obviously you got to have your, your brand out there and give them a lot of ideas and let them see how it functions. Um, and that might encourage them to, to go try it, right? If they've had a bad experience. Uh, we're done a lot in food service where we get branding and we, we've done a lot in, uh, industrial. So mm -hmm. we're, we'll get branding on the packaging. So people, will recognize and understand that you you do deliver a quality product, right? So, and maybe come more familiar with that brand. Um, but, you know, without spending an enormous amount of money uh, uh, on marketing and trying to reel people in, it's really just continually growing and getting on shelf uh, and trying to get that message out there to give us a try. And it's really, a lot. I, I think, you know, in today's market, influencers have a lot to do with that. A um, lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we do what we can. My marketing team does whatever they can. We get the message. I post a lot on LinkedIn mm -hmm. um, and Instagram, you know, but I don't like to, I don't like, to, I mean, I guess, I guess I am a salesperson. I don't like to sell. Mm -hmm. uh, I do like to talk about the quality of our product and encourage people to try it and let them know that we stand behind it, that we're going to give them a great experience. Uh, but that only does so much. So I think you know, over the next year or so, as we, we continue to grow and we get this, uh, you know, further distribution and, and, and we can spend the dollars because it's available in more places versus here, there, and this region or that region, um, that we can really drive the consumer there. And I think we'll start doing a lot more marketing, uh, you know, Main Street. Mm-hmm. When you think about marketing, knowing what you know um, on on building a brand from scratch, and especially a category, I mean, you are really in kind of, even though there's other competition out there, I mean, you are kind of in the early days of this oh, plant-based sure. um, products. I mean, there's different plant-based milks out there, but I think the extensions like what your product is doing in, in a category that will become big, I believe. Um, how, like, how would you suggest people think about, uh, marketing spend and, and like what percent of your overall should be allocated to getting people to really know that your product is out there? Wow. Well, that's a tough one. You know, I, I think as an entrepreneur, it's really being disruptive. It's, mm -hmm. it's creating a message that will, that will trigger something, right? Where, mm -hmm. uh, especially in today's world, uh, I mean, I've had to reel myself in a little bit at pop. I mean, I, it was, you know, I'm, the media that we got 
excluding the, the the unique media we had with Oprah, uh, with all these the innovative products that I was launching, or the brand partnerships that I had, uh, or the story behind the brand and how I created it, really generated a, a ton, tons, I mean, yeah, a press. I mean, it's I my garage is full of plaques of newspapers and magazines. It's just it was amazing. Uh, here I've tried to be a little more conservative as, as I built my team. I mean, they're an executive team, uh, very sophisticated. Um, I have a co-CEO who has, you know, years and years of experience from the CEO. He was the CEO of Post Cereals. He did known. He was a CEO of Siggy's Yogurt. Um, so he's a little more on the conservative side where I'm the entrepreneur and I'm like, Hey, let's, you know, let's blast this out there. Right. So it's been a great balance, but now I think it's made me really kind of step back and say, hey, let me think about that message I'm going to put out there uh, and how it may resonate, right? Because I, one, I don't want it to insult anybody. And I, and I mean, not just the consumer, but my competition. I don't want to yeah. you know, build, my, build my business by trying to, like I said, stomp on competition, right? Uh, but you can still play off words that might be funny, uh, you know, if it's your competition that you're kind of, you're, you're, uh, it's triggering your remarks. Right. And I have some great ideas for our upcoming products that will be game changers, uh, and, uh, kind of the revolutionary. I think we're, what we're coming with next that I would wish I could blow it out of the water here and tell you today, but it's going to be very disruptive, uh, and a much higher quality that it's going to be a category of its own. And I, you know, so I have some ideas around that where I think it could be fun and disruptive with what I say. Um, and, you know, I'm not really investing in it, but I think I can I can attract people to what I post uh, and start driving that message. So otherwise, you know, listen, I mean, you got to be smart how you invest your dollars. Marketing is is key, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you People need to always be refreshed about your brand, especially today. I mean, there are so many brands in every category. You know, yeah. so you have to kind of be front of mind for everybody. And I think a lot of it has to do with not standing on your laurels that, hey, this is what I created and this is great. You have to continue to innovate. People, mm-hmm. especially today's consumer, they want new, higher quality, more innovative uh, products, right? So they like change. They like disruption. And I think that, that you have to think that way or you'll, again, you'll just kind of fall into the garbage can. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting when it, in the early days of Hint, I mean, we didn't really do any marketing per se in terms of uh, there there weren't influencers um, that were any that we could afford, right? There were celebrities, um, and uh, anyway, it was it, it was interesting. All of our marketing budget went to trial because there mm-hmm. were many people that were um, confusing, like diet sweeteners with what we were doing and we didn't have Mm -hmm. any sweeteners in our products so we spent all of it just getting just giving bottles out and getting people to try it and um and so i just think it's an important thing especially for new entrepreneurs to understand that marketing doesn't necessarily mean going and spending money on facebook or instagram i mean it could mean like how much trial do you think is the most important thing to get the consumer to understand um, yep. that you're different in some way and and where do you find those people too yeah i mean giving people you're getting your product in people's hands is great i mean in-store demos are great i mean i 
literally I've gone and done many myself. Uh, you have to, right. And mm -hmm. I don't mind. Uh, but you know, also I think just some of the marketing support you can give to your partners, your, your, this, your store partners, yeah. uh, by helping them drive it into people's, uh, baskets. Right. I mean, it's an investment, but you know, okay. It's an investment that pays off. If you, if someone tries your product because you were a dollar off or it was two for three, whatever, you know, something that encouraged them to buy it and they like it. And now they come back to buy it again. It's a win for you. It's a win for the store. It's a win for the consumer. Uh, and it was a great investment. And you can't just always think about, hey, I got to stick to this margin because you might stick to that margin, but you won't be around for very long. Mm -hmm. No, that's such a good point. So when you think back on the early days of, of uh, launching this, this product, were there any moments when you thought, oh, shoot, this is not going to work. This is a major screw up. And how am I going to dig out? But obviously you did. I mean, I think we've all had those moments of, I mean, some people call them failures. I call them, yeah. you know, challenges along the way. And you just have to figure it out. Yeah, we definitely had challenges. Uh, I think uh, from my first show, uh, which was the National Restaurant Association show. I didn't have retail packaging ready. Yeah. So uh, I just went to the NRA show because I could take a big bag and slap a sticker on it. From that moment, uh, I knew that we were, we had something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of the, we, a lot of lessons that I learned was, I mean, is I should have, we could produce as much product as possible. So I was bringing it over in block from Greece, uh, but we, my, the person, the company that I worked with to shred and slice and package for us, uh, could not keep up with the growth that we, uh, that we saw immediately, so which interesting. was not great that, well, you know, you think that's a good, it is a, on one hand, it's a good problem, but when your stores are out of stock, uh, that's not yeah. good. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. And you're taking on new business at the same time. So I, I think. Going back, one, I would have, well, I wouldn't have known that I would, how would I know that we would have this explosive growth and outgrow this, this, this converter so quickly and have a hard time finding another one? That's, it took us a year, really. So we really had to hobble through, uh, and figure out how to find another, a company that really could support us with the unlimited capacity on shredding, slicing, cubing, whatever it may be, right? Um, that took some time, but it cost us a lot of business. Um, so, in hindsight, I would have stuck with some of the major, you know, chains that we picked up and just focused on fulfilling them uh, versus trying to provide everybody that sent me a PO, right? And Interesting. I, yeah, because we lost a couple because I was out of stock. And they're like, you know what? We love your brand. We love your product. But, you know, we, we can't be out of stock all the time. So, yeah, no, again, definitely. We, I, like I said, we could had the capacity to produce as much cheese block, make as much cheese as possible, uh, plant-based cheese. And it was really just a matter of, of having someone that could shred and slice and at the, the, at the, at the rate of growth that we were seeing. Interesting. Really, really interesting. So you and I were talking about, uh, about building boards and, and, uh, yeah. also, and, and also investors too. You've yeah. learned a lot. Along the way, somebody's uh, building a company. They need. Let's talk about the investor side. What What did you learn along the way that you did yeah. differently on this go around? 
Well, I want to give, so this is a great piece of advice. One of my first investors, not at Pop, but at an earlier company was Jeff Brotman, the CEO, founder of Costco. And we were negotiating on the deal and my valuation, he was trying to, he, he offered me a little less. And I was like, yeah, no, I have a lot of people that are willing to put money in at that valuation. And he said, mm-hmm. well, I want to give you a great piece of advice. I go, what's that? He goes, a dollar's not a dollar. And I, hmm. I'm like, yeah, what does that mean? Right. He goes, I'm bringing you a dollar with a great deal of experience and, and, and connections and, uh, and additional money if you need it. He goes, those people, who are they? You know? And I'm like, okay. So, uh, when I raised capital at Pop, amazing investors, a lot of the investors from that were Costco executives, all, some amazing investors across the U.S. Uh, but in the category I was in, you know, the, there wasn't a value, really a true value add that had been in the snack category and CPG uh, that could really give me direction and or connections or, or relationships. So as I, and, and the board there again, amazing people, but really when I had my board meetings, nobody could tell me really, Hey, you might want to do this differently or do that differently, or you could do this better, or let me introduce you to this person. Uh, so when I started this one, it was really on the investor side, uh, a dollar wasn't a dollar. I was mm-hmm. looking for the investors that would not just invest a dollar, but they would help me with relationships or uh, direction because they understood the category um, or open doors or whatever I could lean on someone. So when I had all my, most of my investors really are value add. My board, I can tell you, I, I can learn from any of them every time. I can call them up and get direction. If I want to launch a product that I can get feedback or I can get uh, an introduction or if I want to meet someone in CPG or in food service, it's in a tremendous, that's what you want. You want value add partners, right? I mean, if, I guess I wouldn't want uh, a, an IT firm to invest in my company. I, mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd much rather have a craft or someone that's, that I could really lean on and say, here, I'm going to really get a lot of help uh, and value added building my business uh, or at least experience where I can go to help me learn how to do something better and not you know, go down the wrong tunnel. Yeah, definitely. And did you feel like uh, individual investors too, ver- or family offices versus like VCs? I mean, I think it's all, you have more choices, obviously, when you're a serial entrepreneur than when you're first time. Uh, but I think so often one thing I've told entrepreneurs too is uh, sometimes when people are coming in saying, oh, I have lots of experience and value, those are the people that often don't, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's you got to kind of pull it out of them and see what they've really done and sort of get a gut on if they're going to be able to be helpful to you or not. Well, I, I tell that, look, I try to support entrepreneurs all the time. I get a lot of uh, calls from folks that I meet at trade at the food shows sure. asking me if I would, you know, talk to them. And I really tell them, I'm like, look, I understand that your uncle Pete has, you know, the hundred thousand dollars. And then maybe that's the way to launch. Okay. Yeah. But you, if you're doing a series A or, or a real round, I mean, you want to get the investors again, that understand your business, that understand that are aligned with you on how you're going to grow and build your business, Mm -hmm. but that can also help you. Like I said, uh, 
relationships. It could be a banking relationship. It could be a CPG relationship. It could be a store chain relationship uh, or a manufacturing relationship. But someone that's been there, really, when you sit down and have a meeting, they're going to know how to lean in and help you be more successful. So they become more of a partner than an investor, right? And which they should be anyway, because if you're putting money into a deal, uh, I mean, you want to do anything you can to help them be successful. So one, I mean, you get a return, but so everybody kind of wins, right? Uh, and I feel that here I really do pinch myself. Uh, I mean, it's I, I was pretty hardcore when I was accepting dollars. And I guess I was lucky that I could be in that position because at the time, plant-based was just on hot, on fire, you know, and I had an amazing product. Literally, I had companies saying, we want to invest, we want to invest. I was even raising money and they were out telling me they want to invest. And when I did start to raise money, I would say, well, you know, one, uh, they would, what's your EBITDA? Uh, oh, sorry. Wrong question, sir. Uh, yeah. If you're worried about profitability or EBITDA and I'm seven months old, uh, I'm not the right investment for you. Totally. Right? Uh, we'll get there, but I need to build this brand and build this business first. That's what we're investing in. Uh, so that I eliminated those investors. And then it was really like, what is your fun? What does your fun bring to the party? Right? What can you, what can you do to help us all be successful together? And I do pitch myself Cleveland Avenue, which uh, is an amazing fund out of Chicago. It's the former CEO of McDonald's, Don Thompson. Uh, you know, uh, boy, they understand my business above and beyond. That's an amazing uh, partner for you guys. Yeah. Oh, God, you have no idea. The support that we get, the help that we get, um, the relationship we get that I have with them, and it's they're aligned completely. They get what we're doing. They understand the pitfalls when plant-based got beat up. Uh, they understand that we're just going to, we're going to continue to innovate and grow. Uh, but the other funds and investors that came in are all from the food industry. Um, they all under, they all want to be in the, in the better for you, natural and plant-based, a lot of beyond investors. Um, so they get it, you know, and they understand that it's not good. And I get it. You know, nothing is just, there's no smooth road. I don't care who you are, what company you are, how big you are. There's going to be a pothole no matter yeah. what. And, right. I mean, it's going to happen to craft. It's going to happen to us. It's going to happen to almost everybody. I mean, things happen. And, um, you have to have partners that understand that things happen and that you can, you can maneuver and, and, and figure out a way around it to move forward. Well, and I think having, especially if you've never had uh, a company before that you're raising funds for no matter what industry, I think it's, it's having people that are not uh, uh, consumers of information uh, oh. versus right. There's, there's a lot of those people out oh. there that are actually micro managers. Yeah, yeah. And, and they want to be critical of, you know, how you're spending, how you're doing this, how you're doing this versus, you know, that's the worst. I mean, it's draining. Sure. It's, um, it's, it's typically it will hurt the business. Um, so I yeah, think what it you're goes to be about, a problem. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think you don't want, it's really, like I said, I mean, as an entrepreneur, you, you, yeah, you, of course you want the dollars to build your business, but, but I think it's just, they're interviewing you. Mm -hmm. You need to interview them as well, uh, because you do need to find that right fit. Again, you need to be a, you better to get undressed and to get everything on the table up front, because if yeah. there's something you don't like up front, then, then you know about it. Right. But, uh, to be aligned on how, who you are, how you're going to build your company, what your goals are, if you can do that out of the gate, uh, and it's a value add investor, 
you're going to eliminate 80% of your problems that you might have with an investor that, you know, that's, that's not sophisticated enough to know that I'm going to put $10 in. I shouldn't expect it back in, in six months or 12 months. Yeah. Uh, we're going to build this and Hey, it might happen. You never know. It's happened. Right. But, uh, got to be in for the long haul. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been an incredible interview. You're obviously, yeah. uh, you know, just a wealth of information and, and a you. lot of fun. I love talking to serial entrepreneurs, especially Thank ones you. Well, that are- kind of you. I appreciate that. No, especially ones that are bold enough to go into other categories. They're not just staying in the same category. They want to go and learn and uh, do things a little bit differently. So it's... Uh, it's really, really a pleasure to finally get to meet you and good luck with everything. And we'll have Thank all you, of the info in the show notes and it's an excellent product. So uh, everybody you. should uh, try it. And as David said, there's going to be a lot more products coming out uh, as well. So we're very, very excited for everything that you're doing at Good Planet Foods. So thank you. Thank you so much, Kara. It was really like a great to be here and it was very kind of you to have me. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.